Good day to you, and welcome to Fascinating. I'm your host, Rick, from Planet Vulcan. I should probably disclose that many of my friends and associates on Planet Vulcan regard my mission on Earth as futile, a fool's errand. Eknarangi, ignorance in reverse if you are not yet familiar with this term, and faulty logic are so common on your planet that it brings us to tears and some of us to laughter. The ones who are laughing are doing so to keep from crying. I personally am still optimistic about the prospects for civilization on planet Earth. So, as part of my campaign to make a dent in Eknarangi, I have begun a list of constructive tips for Earthlings to make use of if they wish to think more effectively and to stop wasting time that could be better spent. I believe that many of you are serious about doing higher quality thinking. If this is you, then you should be happy to hear that there are techniques you can learn to help you reason better. Here is what I have come up with so far. Theorems and Generalizations A theorem is a statement that is either true, at least provisionally, or false. A theorem can be falsified by a single counterexample. A theorem might state, for example, that rain cannot happen unless there are clouds. This theorem could be falsified by showing just one instance where there were no clouds, but it rained anyway. A generalization is a statement that is either valid or invalid rather than true or false. A generalization can be validated if the data show that it is usually the case. If the data show that it is not usually the case, the generalization is not valid. Many Earthlings appear to believe that a generalization can be invalidated by a single counterexample. A generalization might state, for example, that the month of January is more cloudy than the month of July. If you think this generalization is not valid, you must do more than make your, to make your point than just show a single instance of a July that was cloudier than a single January. If you make a general statement and then hear a response of not necessarily, just say fascinating and move on. Problem solving and trade-offs. Earthlings have a distressing habit of approaching challenges as problems to be solved. For example, consider the recent challenge, ongoing as of this writing, of the ravages in human populations caused by the COVID-19 virus. Most Earthlings have approached this challenge as a problem to be solved and proceeded as if nothing else mattered but solving the problem, no matter the cost. Your leaders, backed by their experts, have assumed sweeping authority to solve the problem, instituting such things as indiscriminate lockdowns and various mandates, even for people who were in a low-risk category in what looked more like theater than a serious effort to meet the challenge. They made statements like, if this saves just one life, it will have been worth it. And about this screwy idea of saving a life, it's as if earthlings believe that the person whose life has been saved is now going to live forever. And while it's certainly a wonderful thing to prevent an early death, you need to realize that this person is still going to die, just not as soon, and so are all of us. The problem-solving approach 
to the challenge of dealing with the virus has led to suboptimal outcomes, to put it mildly. Earth's leaders have caused much unnecessary damage to your societies by adopting the sort of tunnel vision that stems from choosing the problem-solving approach. Think of the unemployment that has occurred, the goods and services that were not produced, and the lives that have been ruined and shortened by these half-baked solutions. Think also of the pushback engendered by this overly zealous exertion of authority. Your societies would now be in better shape had Earthlings approached the virus challenge as trade-offs to be made rather than as a problem to be solved. Even though this would have meant fewer opportunities for your leaders to wield authority and to engage in grandstanding. Lakes and rivers. A lake is an example of a stock. A river is an example of a flow. Lakes and rivers are both water, but distinguishing between water that is flowing and water that has accumulated is often useful. And that goes for other types of flows and stocks, too. Taking water out of a lake with no provision for replenishment eventually means the lake will go away, for example. And if you want to take your water out of a river, you need to be concerned about what happens upstream. Another example. Wealth is a stock and income is a flow. It makes us wince when we hear earthlings arguing excitedly about wealth while exciting income statistics or vice versa. Tactics and strategy. Earthlings often use these terms interchangeably, but you can think more effectively if you make a distinction. You should think of strategy as getting yourself into position to execute tactics. Your board game of chess illustrates this, the, the distinction nicely. Tactics are the combination of moves you execute to gain an advantage in the number of pieces or in position. Strategy means getting your pieces into position to support the effective execution of tactics and to frustrate your opponent's tactics. Tactics are much easier and more successful if they stem from a good strategy. Ends and means, and deus ex machina. It quickly becomes obvious to those who achieve an understanding of evolutionary processes that, as earthling philosopher Bruce Lee put it, in all of this talk of ends and means, we need to remind ourselves that we cannot choose ends, we can only choose means. If you think of evolution in the natural world, Nature's sculpting of both the structure and the functioning of organisms occurs as a result of undirected processes. This, of course, does not mean that you can't choose your means in hopes that they will lead to your desired ends. Indeed, how else would you choose your means? Just that you cannot directly choose the ends, you can only directly choose the means. Processes with a life of their own will take it from there. An important corollary of this proposition is that it is illogical to assume that anyone who disagrees with your choice of means is doing so because they oppose your goals. You must concede, if you're honest, that they might very well agree with you about goals, but just don't agree 
that the means you want to employ are going to get us there. For those of you who are not familiar with the meaning of deus ex machina, its origin was in dramas produced in ancient Greece. It is a plot device that is used to resolve a story when the characters have got themselves into a hopeless tangle and are facing doom. But then all would suddenly be made right by a god from the machine. The machine literally was the supporting mechanism for actors floating above the stage, playing the part of gods who would intervene in surprising and entertaining ways to contrive a satisfactory ending. We say contrived because the resolution has little or nothing to do with the evolution of the plotline up to the point of intervention. A deus ex machina ending, if it is clever, can be great fun for the audience of a play. It is somewhat less fun for the victims of the failed projects of those among you who believe that they are among an elite class of beings who are destined to play the role of deus ex machina in the real world. People of this persuasion also typically ignore the evolution of the plot line up to the point where they propose to intervene to contrive their resolution. We Vulcans were puzzled at first by the extent of such sentiments in a supposedly democratic society such as yours. We have come to the conclusion that this sort of thinking has its historical roots within the culture of the European medieval nobility who generally saw themselves as above the fray and in a position to contrive outcomes by the exercise of authority. Does that sound familiar? This medieval aristocratic sentiment of born to rule coincides with another sentiment among your rulers in the modern world in that medieval aristocrats would never dream of soiling their hands in commerce and look down upon those who did. Does this sound familiar? This hangover from a way of thinking, a way that is not really compatible with the ideals of liberty and justice you expect to see in a democracy, reminds us of another influential hangover in your recent history, namely the idea of the Holy Roman Emperor. The first of that title was Charles the Great, also known as Charlemagne, who became the titular head of the Roman Empire in the year 800. It was the Holy Roman Empire due to its supposed duty to defend the Roman Catholic Church in return for which the Church would confer legitimacy. The Roman Empire had already expired more than three centuries before the time of Charlemagne, but being its recognized emperor, emperor continued to appeal. The title of Holy Roman Emperor was not retired until the 19th century, after a centuries-long period of time when the actual power that went with the title waxed and waned and finally sputtered and flickered out. I suppose we just need to continue to be patient with earthlings until the same thing happens to the aristocratic ideal that is still so influential in your time. Safety. Many earthlings speak as if they believe that considerations of safety trump all other considerations. If they can just demonstrate that a thing has a cost in terms of safety, the argument is over and it's time to step in and eliminate the risk. This reasoning, of course, ignores the benefit of the thing. 
Think, for example, of America's ridiculous war on drugs. Ignore for the moment that your selections of what drugs need to be warred on is arbitrary, and think instead about drug use in general, whether for medicinal or recreational purposes. No drug is perfectly safe. People use drugs because the drugs have benefits that outweigh the costs, including the risks. Meanwhile, America's drug war industrial complex has grown and become entrenched. Tens of thousands of people are making a comfortable living enforcing prohibitions that are not just useless, but positively harmful. The problem is made even worse by the racism that has always permeated this enterprise from top to bottom. You can probably come up with other examples where safety is being oversold. As for me, after I finish this recording, I will be joining some friends for an outing. We're going to go to the planetarium where we're going to eat chocolate and listen to Pink Floyd. I will offer more tips on how to work on your reasoning powers in future installments. Be sure to have a listen to the next installment. Please provide feedback to these podcasts if you are so inclined. You may contact me by sending an email to our senior contributing editor, Prego Denada. Prego Denada at gmail.com. Live long and prosper. <laughs>